What's up, y'all? This is Building A Fighters, Dr. Austin Shane. With me, as always, we have Alex Friedman, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado. Today, we are going to be talking about training, and we're going to be talking about two different paradigms of training. So there's training for athletic performance, and then there's training for vitality or human longevity. And they're two separate things because if you train like an elite athlete, you ain't going to live very long. (laughs) And if you train for sustainability or for vitality while you're trying to be an elite athlete, you're not going to do very well. (laughs) So Alex, what's the difference between the two? Well, let me jump in and immediately uh, challenge you on that. I think you can train and have both priorities at the same time. Um, I, I mean, I don't think you can maximize both of them at the same time, but I think one can be a subcategory, a subgroup of both at the same time. So I disagree. Okay. That's right. And fair. here's why. Um, All right, so, let's go into it. so I think you could be good. You, you could, you could make it to the UFC and have, have that be a priority, but there's a reason why Kamara Usman's knees are falling apart. There's a reason why uh, Henry Henry's all banged up all the time. Like there's a reason why Yuri's always hurt. There's a reason why these guys, the elite of the elite, while you should be training smarter, I don't think you can get to the elite of the elite level without pushing yourself to the utmost limits of human physical potential. And the only way to find the utmost limits is to keep fluctuating back and forth between the two. If you're focused on sustainability, I don't think, even if it is just the GPP side of things, which is where I would add it in, like out of camp is when you can focus on sustainability in my mind. But I don't think when you're on a UFC title run that you can think about longevity. That has to come later. When you're on a UFC title run, you have to focus on keeping the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is maximizing your performance to the utmost level. But I disagree that isn't that the mission of building a fighter is creating longevity in a UFC champion's career? Isn't that the... The, the essence of what we do is training smarter and you have time frames that you, of course, emphasize performance or time frames that you emphasize longevity. But even in the time frames that you emphasize performance, we can have l- longevity as an undertone and have certain exercises, certain corrective, certain modalities built in. And yes, they might not be exercises that are aimed at helping you live the most healthy life that you possibly can and be pain-free every day, but they're longevity exercises in the sense of we're going to keep you running for the time being. We're going to make sure that you don't run into a dislocated shoulder, that you don't run into a complete tear in your meniscus, uh, so that you don't run into those things. While I agree that extremity is necessary at times, I totally think that it's worthwhile in our efforts to try and avoid those things or try and plan ahead and against them. A hundred percent. But I, we're talking about two separate things. When I think training for vitality, I think like we're trying to maximize health, right? Sure. When we're training for athletic performance, we're trying to maximize performance. You're talking about trying to sustain performance over as long of a range as possible. Sure. That is still going to have a degradatory uh, degradation effect on human health. While we're still in the lens of performance, if we keep pushing our body, if we think about like vitality, it's a bell curve. If we think about yeah. vitality, total vitality on the left of the bell curve, we have everybody like kind of right in the middle. And then we have the elite of the elite in every sport on the right. We're still 
even though we're <coughs> sorry, even though we're trying to increase the sustainability with which they are performing, which is what you're talking about, because we're trying to give them two or three extra years on their overall total health, it is doing more of a disservice to total health and longevity than it is actually boosting what they're doing because they're pushing themselves past. We're having a degradation effect if we're always trying to hit aerobic power, if we're always trying to hit like VO2 max, yeah. like we, their tissue can't handle that. Yeah. And I, I would think that more orthopedically than anything else, I think, you know, performing at a high level actually would increase your vitality as far as like being a robust human. But I mean, I, I, I will uh, confess that, yeah, I think we're talking about two different things, but I don't think that it's a fool's errand to mind both of them at the same time. Right. So an easy study that we could go to in, I, I don't have this pulled up. This is just, we'll, we'll call this a rough, a rough estimate. Top, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, is there was a study that was done. I believe it was like 2010 ish and they looked at runners and it showed that if you're running around, I, I believe the number was around 40 miles a week that's going to increase your likelihood of living a longer life. It's going to increase your longevity. It's going to increase your health. As soon as you start running past 100 miles a week, it actually does the exact opposite. It is going to cause you to live less. It's going to decrease your overall health numbers, and it's going to decrease your life expectancy. So as soon, it's, it's the difference between like if we running in my mind is the easiest way to break this down where running in a sustainable fashion is going to have nothing but positive benefits on your overall aerobic health, nothing but positive benefits on joint stability. Like there's all these good things, but you can take it too far. You can be a marathoner. Like yeah. we know that marathoners have a lower life expectancy than regular sustainability focused uh, humans, right? So that's that same exact concept where those runners are training, the marathoners are training for performance at all points in time. And that's a real life metric where it's just a univariable equation because it's just running where we can show that if we keep pushing the limits for prolonged periods of time, it's going to decrease our overall sustainability. But if we focus on that for a short amount of time and then get back to sustainability when they're done, we can actually counteract those different effects that are done which is what I recommend for a lot of athletes. When you're an athlete, the number one thing that you need to focus on is being a fucking athlete. You're focusing on performance and we got to do everything we can to help you with your performance because that's how you get paid, right? Yeah. We want you to get paid as long as possible and there's smarter ways to do things. This doesn't mean just keep pushing the limits and fucking destroy your body. That's well, not what yeah. I want this to mean. Yeah. But, but what you can do or what you have to focus on is at the end of the day, the main thing is the main thing. And if you're in the UFC, the main thing is getting a fucking UFC strap because that's how you make the most money and that's how you maximize your career. And that right. comes with cost. We can't put the cart in front of the horse though, as far as having some type of health and wellness as your um, basis for performance, right? Like, Somebody that has a torn ACL, a torn ACL may be a bad example. Somebody that has a dislocated shoulder is not going to be able to go out in the octagon and perform, right? No. So it's like we have to make sure there's a base level of health and wellness before we pursue too many sport, like uh, sport-specific or like performance goals, right? So that's a, a piece of that pyramid. So I think under the umbrella of training for performance has to be this health and vitality type of training and we and 
typically our high performing athletes already have this box checked, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're healthy. We're in shape. We're, uh, strong and, and mostly physically robust to getting hurt. Um, but you can't, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and say like, we need to train for performance and exclusively think of that because that's how you get injured. Right. For like, sure. so it's like, so it's, it's a little bit of, we need to be mindful of the health and vitality type of training as we fold it into our overall number one priority of performance. Right. Because exactly. again, you can't be mindless. So you can't completely ignore the health and wellness. Like I'm sure people have tried, you know, you know, David Goggins, you know, whatever his motivational take, his good, uh, his training regiment is, in my opinion, not geared towards performance or longevity. No, it's right? fucking stupid. I'll say it. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> right. Like, it's so, motivational, but it's fucking dumb. All right. And I have a very, very um, slim margin for David Goggins in my life. Like I, I enjoy a few, maybe a clip a week. If I see one clip of David Goggins a week, <laughs> that's my threshold. Yeah. Um, but if we completely throw out any type of health and longevity, then we're going to take out the foundation of our pyramid of performance, right? It's mm-hmm. like, I don't give a shit, you know, if I sleep one hour a week or, or here's a good example, like I'm going to spend 14 hours a day training, right? Yeah. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to sleep enough. I'm not going to do any of this, right? You're bound to get injured. You're bound to have negative performance effects like that in itself is not a balanced training regime. So um, in my, again, in my view, like they're hand in hand, you have to have one with the other. Now to your point, if we're going to prioritize one, then yes, we have to sacrifice from the health and vitality and wellness. Or if we're going to prioritize health and vitality and wellness, we're, uh, pulling back from the performance goal, right? That, that'd be like where me and you are at right now. Like we're going to train for wellness and some vitality and then even, you know, some recreation, but we're not maximizing our performance anymore by any means. Right. Well, so the example like you use with the person that wants to train 14 hours a day, that's not maximizing performance either. Like, yes, I understand where you're coming from. Like that, that is an example, but like that doesn't maximize performance at all. If you completely neglect health and vitality, if you completely neglect like sleep or rest or a good workload, that's, that's, that's not just training for performance. That's just being fucking dumb. Like that, that is in it of itself a what I would say is a waste of what we're doing as opposed to if we can focus on trying to increase that athlete's focus or I guess prioritization is what I'm talking about. So increase that prioritization and really focus on getting that athlete to realize that training isn't the only part of performance, right? Sustainability. When I, when we're this talk that we're having, we're talking about sustainability in a way that is focused purely on the training element of it. But in it of itself, performance is a multifactorial equation, right? We need sleep. We need recovery. We need all these different things. That's not necessarily sustainability though. That's just training smart. When we're talking about, I'm when I'm talking about, I need you to focus purely on performance versus purely on um like longevity or sustainability. And obviously with a little bit of leeway, I'm thinking like a, uh, an Atlas stone sandbag clean that puts you in lumbar flexion in a rounded state. You can't do that without getting to some point of lumbar flexion with heavy weight, but for a grappling athlete, I think it is an extremely proficient movement to help us get good with a sport specific phase of our training, right? So it's a 
exercise focused on performance versus sustainability. I know for the long-term health, if they do that movement too many times, it is more likely than not going to cause low back pain and or disc radiation pain, right? That's from a sustainability standpoint. But from a performance standpoint, the number one goal is a UFC strap. And that exercise, as long as we dose it correctly, should in theory, get us closer to that strap because it is a good exercise for a certain amount of athletes. Right. Yeah. And and so good. We're defining and creating more parameters around what we mean when we're saying training for vitality versus training for performance. Right. Um, If we look at, you know, a hundred percent approach. Yeah. I agree with you that training for performance and going whole hog into that is going to be, it's going to be have higher risks for your health Mm -hmm. and vitality. And and even high risk for your performance, right? Training for your performance is inherently a lot higher risk and a lot higher reward. Training mm-hmm. for your health and vitality should be a lot lower risk and a lot um, a lot lower reward, quote unquote. Like you're going to live well on your day to day. You're going to feel good every day, but you're maybe not going to hit those exceptional athletic feats that you might be uh, that somebody training for performance would be after. All right. So I think it's all within an understanding of your goal and then adhering to that goal. Now, that being said, there are still a lot of behaviors that I see that are too risky for this, even this performance goal. Right. Correct. Like, yeah, like that, that, that's where we talk about like overtraining. That's where we talk about like sparring three times a week. That's where, you know, a lot of bad shit can go wrong. So there's a smart way to train for performance um, versus training health and vitality. But at the end of the day, too, I don't see anything wrong with training at, with health and vitality as your overall goal either. I I don't see it either. I like I think that's probably what most I would say unless you are have aspirations of being an elite professional athlete and you're in the beginning to middle phase of your career, I think you should exclusively train for vitality. Yeah. <laughs> because right. because your number one goal is to focus on what, why are you doing fitness? If you're doing fitness at all, it's most likely for the fact that you want to live longer or you want to feel better or you want to look sexy naked or whatever the fuck it is, but you're doing it non for, not for a performance goal. Right. And I think even beyond that, like you said, in the beginning to middle of your career, and this is going to sound kind of harsh, but you're not good enough at training fitness exclusively for (laughs) performance, right? Like you haven't built a strength foundation. You don't have a solid aerobic base. You can't differentiate in your energy systems. You can't, you're not strong enough to really maximize or optimize your power phase that you may be in. Right. So it's like, we have to build up this steady base. And like you said, that, that comes through training for vitality and longevity. It just comes with experience, right? Once we get experience, once we um, can have a lot of those foundations, then training for performance becomes that much more effective. It becomes a lot more fun and it becomes a lot more variable or even like we said, higher risk, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to establish that training foundation and base first. And I think you can go through like the chronology, chronological. Sure. Chronological order of your career and emphasize different pieces in different spaces. Yeah. So like when we're thinking about vitality, like I want to give some examples because we could be theoretical all day, but if you guys can't apply it, really, this is a waste of a fucking podcast. (laughs) So when we're thinking about like longevity based approaches, 
one of the major things is developing a robust aerobic system, but not pushing it too far, not doing yeah. crazy amounts of high intensity workouts, not doing like, I'm gonna throw a little shade. Like if hmm. you're training for vitality, probably like shitty CrossFit or like F45 probably ain't the way to do it. Yeah. Right. Like that's not necessarily a vitality approach that is going to give you a good stimulus. It's going to give you what you would consider a good workout, but for the most part, that's not going to increase your overall health. So this is going to be a lot slower of a progression. It's going to be a very, very long process, but it's going to be a little bit like you're training, you're going to run for 30 minutes and you're going to do that two to three times a week. And then you're going to lift relatively basic human movement patterns, like two to three times a week. And you're going to do that for about four to six months. And you're going to consistently progress either weight, tempo, uh, sets, volume, like overall volume, whatever met metric you're trying to increase. I typically like to, for a vitality approach, go volume and then intensity because I want you to adapt to the stimulus and then be able to add on top of that stimulus. So it's, it's like a capacity versus, um, like power or, uh, intensity approach. Sure. But, um, that's going to be, at least in my mind, that's going to be the best way to try to give you building blocks to like OPEC, the guy that makes or that created OPEX, um, his, uh, he's the first CrossFit games winner ever. His name's, uh, James Fitzgerald. He always talks about like, I want to be able to, the day I die, I want to be able to climb up a mountain, take a piss at the top of a mountain and have sex with my wife. And then I can die. That's it. <laughs> that's all. That's all I want. I want to be able, healthy enough to do those things. And if I can do that when I'm 90, I know I've lived a sustainable life, right? That's what I think about when I think about vitality and I think about a sustainability approach is you want to be able to do every day-to-day -day task that you find important as long as you can. And how can we get you there? Then we should train for those goals, isolate those variables, and then put that into your program. And boom, that's going to be as long as we keep increasing at a slow, steady rate, the best way to have progress towards those goals. Yeah. And, and I think that comes jaded a lot of the times because the fitness industry or thinking about like, quote unquote, like strength training or working out, I think has been especially, you know, this is probably not as hot today, but in the last 10, 15 years was hijacked by the maniacs, right? Yes. Like people that fucking love fitness or, or CrossFit gyms, et cetera. Like I want to feel like I'm dead at the end of the workout that became anybody's idea of fitness and longevity, which mm -hmm. is not just point blank, not true. Right. You can have a casual relationship with working out. You can have a casual, like, you know, I, I see you know, probably upwards of 10 to 12 general pop people every week that come in twice, check the box, make sure they're staying physically active, make sure they're moving well, make sure they're staying pain free. And beyond that, I mean, they might do a hike or something fun or whatever, but they don't quote unquote work out and that's okay. Right? Like your, your longevity goal again, doesn't have to consume you where, you know, people do get obsessed and then we have goals and that's cool too. We can chase that, but that also comes with the understanding that like there's a little more inherent risk and we're going to take away a little bit from a, a strictly vitality type of mm -hmm. approach. So um, I think that that kind of art has been lost is like you don't have to be a gym freak or maniac to go lift weights. Lifting weights should be about overall health. And, I, and that's kind of where I really buy into the Mike Boyle functional strength and conditioning type of stuff uh, mm -hmm. on that side of things. So 
I think that will help you live your life in the most robust manner and the most pain-free manner because, you know, as we've talked about, like strength is the key. Strength is what's going to allow you to be pain-free, to re-groove some movement patterns and get as strong in them is going to avoid pain in the long haul. So, Well, lower body strength is one of the major metrics in increasing uh, quality of life as you age. It's, it's actually the number one metric. And number two is aerobic capacity. So you, if you want to have a better life as you age, you need strong legs and you need a well-developed heart. Those are the two things. If you can't do those two things, life's probably going to fucking suck as you age. Yeah. So it's you, you should, it's, it's one of those people, like the two people you're talking about, they're lifting not for goals, not for anything. They're lifting because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> right? They're yeah. exercising because it's the right thing to do. And it doesn't need to be lifting. You can go fucking play kickball. You can yeah. go play a sport. You could play tennis. You could golf. You could do, you need to do some sort of exercise. I'd actually prefer you to have as large of a movement vocabulary yeah. and, and movement variability as possible. You shouldn't just be lifting. You need to yeah. be strong, but you shouldn't just be lifting versus what, go yeah, for what no. you're say. Oh, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think you you should add some external resistance to that in some capacity or whatever. But I think in a, a long story short type of manner, like the human condition has become, you know, too physically easy for us, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. there, there's zero on your day-to-day -day task. There's zero physical stress necessary, right? I could wake up brush my teeth, get in the car, go to work. I don't have to run. I don't have to walk. I don't have to do any of this. Go to work, set it to desk. I barely have to stand up. I barely have to walk at all. I drive back home. I can sit on my couch, watch Netflix, play video games, whatever. Like there is zero physically demanding things necessary, right? So it's like, instead of going out laboring, going out and hunting, going out and, you know, doing whatever you need to do to survive that demands physical labor, we have artificially had to try and replace that. And that comes in the form of lifting weights a lot of times. Right. So, you know, you know, I think we get too fancy with it a lot of times. It's like, if you want to live a healthy life, like go do more hard shit, you yeah. know, or move go do fun something or, or move yeah. around, like physically challenge yourself. And I think that that goes into a lot of things. And if we want to learn how to do that, in my opinion, do that the best, or we want to really um, figure out how to quote unquote move correctly um, that's functional strength and conditioning or, or a type of movement stuff. But if you're playing kickball or you're playing volleyball or whatever, and you don't have anything that hurts you, you're just a good, healthy person. Like then I don't think there's genuinely any need to go lift weights. Well, I mean, we, we need lower body strength, right? There should be a steady diet of resistance training. I say you can't just lift weights or you shouldn't just lift weights. You should do other things, yeah. but you still need to lift weights. Right. right. It's we know from the same study I, I said earlier that lower body strength is a massive metric as you age in your quality mm -hmm. of life. So you need to squat. You need to deadlift. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to everybody listening, but as, as, no matter what, you can't get away from those fucking things. Yeah. But and moving from the purely vitality standpoint, because it is just a spectrum, we're going to go a little bit towards the middle part of the spectrum now where that's going to be our, our weekend warriors, our recreational jujitsu rollers, our are 40 year olds that love jujitsu and they're trying to get better at their sport, but they're not going to be a professional at it. They just want to get right. better and do that sport for as long as they possibly can. This is where we can shift purely just from, Hey, lift twice a week, run twice a week to, we can get a little bit more specified specification comes with risk. Like Alex was saying, but 
specified nonetheless, where we can make you strong in jujitsu-based positions. That's going to help you on the performance side, because again, performance is a spectrum as well, so it's a little bit more goal-oriented. But it's not going to be the crazy sport-specific movements that we potentially might have to use for our elite MMA athletes. And I say potentially because you don't always need to have them. But that once we get on that spectrum towards our, Hey, you like going to kickboxing class twice a week. Hey, you let you're a blue belt and, and you do maybe one tournament a year in jujitsu. Maybe you're transitioning into nogi jujitsu. Maybe you just, you're helping, you want to wrestle with your kid and you want to help coach a high school wrestling team. You used to wrestle, but you want to get back in shape. Yeah. Then we get a little bit more focused on well, we should probably layer in a little bit more of a pliability-based approach. We should probably include a little bit more mobility training. We should probably include a little bit more of a strength emphasis because you have to handle these positions. And if you increase the capacity of the tissue, you're less likely to get hurt. There's a lot of different factors we can add in that while you're training might give you more aches and pains, but in the overall longevity of you being able to do that sport for as long as you can or do that hobby for as long as you can, it's going to increase that probably three or four times the amount of what you're actually would get injured from the training you're doing, or I guess it aches and pains, not necessarily injured, yeah. but sore from the training you're doing. And I think this is the sweet spot. I think this is kind of the honey hole where a lot of our, our society needs to live or, or should live yes. because we're talking about the pure longevity and, and sustainability approach. Like a lot of times that like, that doesn't do it for people. It doesn't keep them motivated. doesn't like, you know, Bro, I'm it's not boring gonna, as fuck. Right. So, it's, <laughs> so, you know, it, it might live for a certain, you know, group of people, but that's like bare minimum. You have to do some physical activity as that. I think this halfway weekend warrior type of, of place is where we can really create some performance goals. We can increase risk, but in a very tolerable manner, right? Yeah. Like the, the, there's not going to be a, a super right, like big 3%. Risk. Right. It is, and if, again, if you're doing it knowledgeably and you know how to move and you know how to, to train people or you know how to train and move yourself, then the risk is super minimal. But the goals and the performance are what going to keep it interesting, keep you motivated, mm-hmm. keep you coming back, keep you um, engaged in your health and wellness. And it's almost like a, a you know, um, side effect. It's like, I love jujitsu. I want to do more jujitsu. I'm going to strength train on top of it to help my jujitsu game. And it's like, and a byproduct of that is I'm a really healthy individual, right? Like I think that's again, where people are going to maximize their lifestyles are going to maximize their, their physical capacity. Because, you know, we talk about performance exclusively. That's the 1% of 1% that need to train like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So the more that we can, get people interested in in fitness and then have goals, whether it's fitness related in the weight room or on a different sport or whatever. I think that's where people are going to stay the most motivated and you'll get the most out of it because you have something you're working towards. Um, you're more engaged. You actually care about what's going on versus like, all right, I'll hit my deadlifts and then I'll go home. I'll hit my deadlifts. I'll walk on the treadmill and now I'm out, you know? So it's like the, the weekend warrior I think is where you'll see, the most health benefits. It's just ironic that they're almost like a side effect rather than a primary emphasis. Right. Which is, I agree with you. This is where the majority of people should live because for the reasons you said, it makes it more interesting, but also because it allows us to really, really see that or, and create long lasting habits that fitness leads to less injuries. 
Fitness leads to good things in life, not bad things in life. Fitness can lead you towards accomplishing the goals that you're going after, not mm-hmm. just running on a treadmill and falling off and not just trying to go be an elite athlete and getting hurt. This is this this golden zone in the middle yeah. where we know that if you make you stronger and, and each joint is strong, then it's a lower injury risk, right? At the beginning, it's a little bit more risky because you're learning new movements. You're going to be sore. You're going to be potentially in a little bit of pain. That's normally okay for the most part. Typically, the weight room is, I mean, the weight room is the <laughs> lowest injury risk of anything you do, right. uh, especially if you're a combat athlete recreationally. But as you progress, as you get more comfortable, as you learn different movement skills, it drops your injury risk substantially because you're strengthening all those joints. And once you realize that, once you feel that, once you feel what it feels like to be strong in a certain position and not have your knee ache, that is going to show your brain that, oh, this stuff works. It's a, it's a positive feedback loop. That's going to force you to actually do that again. Technically it'd be a negative feedback loop, but it's a positive thing. That's going to force your brain to go, boom, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it over and over and over again. And you just keep hammering that same system. That's going to make you better and better and better. Right. And this is, this is where I, I have a lot of fun. Like I love working with my professional athletes. It's a blast, but honestly, this middle zone is where it really is the most fun because you can make a huge improvement by just adding in fitness out on top of your hobby into yeah. your day-to-day life and how you feel. Because I was actually just talking, uh, shit, that was yesterday. It was a long day yesterday with, uh, with our head coach at fight ready Santino. And we were talking about different niches and business and all this fun stuff. But he's like something that not a lot of people focus on is everybody tr- focuses on training for performance. Not mm-hmm. a lot of people focus their fitness goals on being pain-free. Everybody says they want to be pain-free, but they don't go to fitness for that. They go to healthcare. They go to a chiropractor. They go to a physical therapist, but they don't think that fitness can get there. When in reality, fitness is probably the fucking place to start. (laughs) (laughs) Fitness in in my mind is healthcare, right? Because it's going to force you to be healthier. It's going to increase all of these different metrics I've already said that are going to allow your tissue to be healthy and for you to have a better shot at getting through anything you want to do in life without sustaining an injury. Yeah. And, and that's your typical like proactive health versus reactive health argument, mm-hmm. right? Like let's get ahead of this. Let's stay healthy and fit so that we don't run into these problems later down, later on down the road. And so I think having that understanding of like, I, and that's where like corporate America started to implement like more health and fitness systems. Like we're getting ahead of this. So we spend less on our insurance payouts. We stay, we spend less, uh, with people getting injured or et cetera. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important to understand that like your health and fitness is the mechanism to make you more robust. And I think as much as we talk about like performance oriented goals, and uh, health and wellness or vitality and longevity oriented goals. I put that also in a spectrum of optimization versus robustness, right? So when we're training for performance, we're trying to optimize this one single thing we're trying to do, right? So we get laser beam focused. When we talk about training for health and longevity, we need robustness. We can be able to do a lot of things at a pretty low level, right? And so again, that optimization is inherently more risky. And again, as a sliding scale, the weekend warrior type of of person is going to be more robust and the most robust to any type of lifestyle stress that they see. 
right? So that's where I, I try and meet people where they're at when they come and see me. It's like, I see where you're at. I need to make you X amount robust because that's probably the highest intensity you're ever going to see in your training sport, in your life, in whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So when I get to the elite level athlete, it's like you already should be, you know, to the nth degree robust and bulletproof, okay? At that point, I can't concern myself with a ton of robustness right now because we're trying to optimize, Right. right. I'm a, and, I'm a push your ass motherfucker. Exactly. And <laughs> if you haven't checked that box of robustness, we need to walk it back. We need to regress a little bit, right. And hit some type of box of robustness. But then when we optimize, we increase risk. And hopefully I say, hopefully you're robust enough to handle that. Bingo. And it's all, I mean, I, I could talk about capacity versus intensity all day, but it, it's sure. all just lift the capacity, increase the intensity, lift the capacity, increase the intensity. Can the tissue handle what you're about to do? Cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That means the capacity meets. If the tissue can't handle what you're about to do, boom, that's probably going to cause an injury. That's when people actually, the, the best case for me to explain this is like the person that falls in love with jujitsu and then gets hurt two months later. Because yep. they go from, they did one class and they're like, oh fuck, I love this. This is amazing. And then they do four classes a week and then they don't realize that you went from maybe lifting twice a week to doing jujitsu four times a week for eight weeks straight and your tissue was not ready to handle that stimulus you were about to put upon it. Yeah. If tissue isn't ready for a stimulus, then it's going to fucking ache. It's going to get irritated. It's going to scream at you, which is all pain or, or any sort of symptom is. It's just your tissue screaming, help, you've pushed me too far. Yeah, and, and especially if you're not trained or ready for it, like the number one damaging thing to your body is going to be volume, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's volume on top of volume. And and on top of that, like <laughs> jujitsu, it's hard to say is like the most unergogenic sport that has ever existed, right? Like doing jujitsu does not help you move better. It's not designed to help you feel better. It's actually designed the opposite to make you get into extreme amounts of pain. So to not counteract or plan for that, I think is a huge misstep that a lot of people make. Like that's the, the blue belt curse, right? Like mm -hmm. either you stop progressing, you get bored or you get super injured because you exactly what you said, Austin, you get obsessed and then you hugely spike your volume in a very short amount of time, which is almost always going to lead to injuries, right? Like right. even when I worked in the collegiate sector, right? Beginning of the season was the scariest time is like, cause I hope I've seen these athletes enough and I've given them enough stimulus that they can handle the practice loads that I know their coach are going to overbearingly put on them. Right. Or I hope they've been doing enough on their own to handle those loads because a, a huge spike in volume is almost your number one in indicator of like chronic injuries. Right. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Yeah. It's, it's the age old. That's why they stopped doing two days in football is right. because these kids would go from nothing to doing two a days and there would either be massive injuries or, I mean, for some parts there was fucking death. Yeah, like there right. was straight, I mean, if you're doing it out in the hot sun and they're not used to using that much energy and they're not used to having to hydrate that much, you're, t you, you're going to pass out. Yeah. So it's, it's, if we're moving from that though, into elite performance or elite athletics, that's where, when you're talking about optimization, that's where when we're talking about fine tuning. That's where we can push individual variables to their breaking point though, yeah. because these athletes really should be robust enough to handle it. But like in a, a good example, we could use Kamaro. He's openly said he cannot run. He doesn't run in any of his camps. That sure. doesn't mean that we're not going to push his conditioning to the next fucking level. We can find a modality that fits his body and then push him to his limits. 
and then give him an adequate enough time to recover. That's yeah. where the, I guess that what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, that's where we're talking about that is I, ideally the sustainability part of health and human performance. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think too, what you said, like we're pushing to find that limit in the optimized system. Like, and, and this is where I think the skill of a really good, either technical or strength coach comes into play because to find that limit and not surpass it so much that you create injury or not surpass it so much that you create uh, burnout or disinterest or whatever, like to not surpass it too far is I think the skill of a good coach, right? hundred percent. Cause that's where, we, that's where you pay for a coach. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and cause you do want to maximize your results. You want to get the performance you need the UFC strap. Right. But we can't push so hard and find the limit of this, you know, X category Let's, conditioning, right? You're on conditioning. We mm -hmm. got to find the most optimized conditioning that you can have for MMA, you know, but not all the time. That's through road work and running, right? For Kamar losing, it can't be through running, right? So it's yeah. like we need to have a little smarter approach for that. But the only way you're going to find that, that, that tipping point is to go past it a little bit sometimes. Yeah. So plan for that, plan ahead for that, you know, calculate as much as you can, like minimum effective dose, and then scale it back. Once you have found that tipping point, it's not, it's not, this is my standard or this is the best athlete I ever had. So had, so that's the standard. It's an individual standard, which I think is missed a lot. It's like, you know, I had this, the toughest wrestler in the state last year and he could train like a motherfucker. And then I can't hold everybody to that standard. People are going to break point blank. Yeah. And so as a coach, am I, Oh, it's crazy. The, some people do. <laughs> is it, am I, am I in the business of breaking people or am I in the business of helping you, achieve your personal best, right? I yeah. think it's a conversation that a lot of coaches have to look honestly in the mirror and answer. Well, it's, it's, and it's not just on a conditioning standpoint, cause that's what we were talking about with Kamaru and exercise selection. Like sometimes it's on a strength standpoint. How much can an athlete's body hold? If yeah. I want say, say I'm working with a grappling athlete and they just overwhelm people with their wrestling. I need them to be fucking strong. They need yeah. to be extremely strong to handle anything that gets thrown at them, a stable base. Well, we're going to do trap bar deadlifts because it's a little bit more, it's a little bit safer on the low back. So we'll pick an exercise that's better for them, but we're going to load it up. And mm -hmm. sometimes you push past the threshold. Like you never want to, but sometimes you get to a point where the athlete does a deadlift and it fucking hurts. And then you mm -hmm. back off, but guess what? You found your threshold and now, you know, and that's the art of coaching is you never want to get to that point, but inevitably you will with any athlete that's worth their salt wants to keep pushing. They yeah. want to keep going. They they want to go as high as they can and find their limit. That's not an excuse to overtrain, but that's an excuse to try to find the limit that you can push to and then keep hitting that, keep hitting that, keep hitting yeah. that. It's it's almost like a, it's a really small sine wave graph where it's just going up and down and up and down and up and down. And you just want to keep tapping the threshold because that's the only way that they actually are going to get stronger. You have to be as close as possible to the threshold, keep touching it expose them to that stimulus and then force them to adapt to that at, to that stimulus that you brought upon them. And that's how they're going to get stronger. That's how they're going to make the gains. That's how they're actually going to translate the strength that they get into their fucking sport. Right. And, and that's your conversation too, where you're the brakes for their athlete. Like athlete's mm -hmm. job is to say yes and go. You can be the brakes. You can put the, the right program and the right loading in front of them so that they understand. It's like, I have your best interest in mind. I can pull you back as needed and that that's going to help you ultimately. But that, that's really all strength training is, is continually finding the the next you know threshold and then beating it. 
right? And then you, you can find different fancy ways to do that. You can, you know, progressively overload, you can vary, you can do all this stuff, but to beat strength numbers is a continual um, process of finding the, the limit, beat it, find the limit, beat it, find the limit, beat it. And then you get more complex based on the more, uh, the different sport that you do. So MMA is a hugely complex problem, right? So you can go, how, where's my limit in MMA? How can I beat that? How can I beat that? And the answer is not always more, 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 which I, right. which everybody most, answers that question. Most is, of the time I'm going to do more, <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, a lot of times the answer is do different, do better, do, uh, do less, l- do less, do more planned, you know? So it's like, let's, let's train smarter. And I think that's, uh, that's really kind of where we've cornered the market and tried to, um, expose our ideology and our thoughts through building a fighter. Right. So that's how I want to end it. Shameless plug. Um, what, what we have is that's our whole system is whether you're an elite athlete and we need to push you, we have to find that minimal effective dose and get you there. Whether it's teams, whether it's individuals, whether it's, it's a program designed to push you, but not push you past your limit to where you're injured. Right. It's Mm -hmm. pushing with a purpose is, is what I tell people. We also have programs that are designed to be that middle ground where yep. we have programs designed specifically to help with injury prevention, help you get you out of pain and then go do the hobby that you love to do. Right. right that's we the jujitsu wellness program. Exactly. We have jujitsu wellness. We have, we have a bunch more coming too. we have wrestling wellness. We're going to have striking stuff. We're going to have all these different programs that are designed more so to stabilize your joints and get you out of pain than any sort of performance metric. But the mm-hmm. fun part is stabilizing your joints and getting you out of pain typically increases performance because it allows mm-hmm. you to do that sport in a more effective manner and do more. The more reps you get in an effective way, probably the better you're going to be. That's step number one. Exactly. So take a look at our website. We're actually getting redesigned right now, but by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have programs available and they'll all be up. Um, but if that sounds like something you're interested in, hit us up, whether it's at the website or at our Instagram, which will be in the show notes or at our emails, which will also be in the show notes. We are always happy to help. And we just want to help elevating this sport of, I guess the sport of MMA, but this genre of sports called combat sports that we find so dear. So that's my soapbox. I'll hop off it. This is Dr. Austin Shane, Alex Freeman, and we are out. Sorry, y'all.